Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you are listening to one of the proud members of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. We are excited. We are actually going to talk some vets today. We've been talking rookies, a lot of rookie talk. So we're going to get into some vets. We're going to get into some news. Be sure to check out my work on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can find me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. And don't forget to check out our website. We just hired two awesome writers, Mike and Corey. Uh, you can follow them at Mike Fantasy BBF, and you can follow Corey at C.FF. So much exciting work going on, and, and we want to we want to help you guys win your fantasy league. So we're trying to trying to boost all the content we can give you on that website, BallBlastFootball.com. We have some good stuff up there right now. We do. Michelle's been doing some uh, coaching tendencies, which we still need to finish up and post the rest, but they're eye-opening. And we're going to talk about um, one of the coaching tendencies later on in this podcast when we get to... Actually, it's right in the news, so we'll be talking about it soon. Should we like jump into the news right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Breaking news. Breaking news. So speaking, I guess, on a Zoom session, that's what we do now, uh, the Baltimore Ravens coach, John Harbaugh, said he envisions using all four of his running backs. That sounds like fantasy Twitter's worst nightmare. Yeah, it just sounds like any fantasy football player's worst nightmare. I Actually, I don't think it's that crazy, right? Like, he used all of his running backs last year, but Mark Ingram was still the main guy. So it's just figuring out what he means by this, because they did just draft J.K. Dobbins in the second round this year. They have Mark Ingram, who they have signed. I who think. is not just going away, people. Oh, no. He's still going to be there. Gus Edwards looked really good in his small role last year. He was mostly used, though, in, like, the fourth quarter because they Close killed out the game. Yeah, they were killing people. So why are you going to risk Mark Ingram getting hurt? I think Gus Edwards is actually a guy that I'm really intrigued for in terms of a dynasty buy because they just draft J.K. Dobbins. They have Mark Ingram. They've got all these little pieces, um, and he should be a free agent next year, Gus Edwards. So imagine yeah. if he goes to you. the but, look on your face. Yeah, because is he good? Because he's in the Ravens' offense, behind the offensive he's line. He's looked good. No, but he's looked good, like, every year. Sure. I mean, I'm not buying him, but if you want to go buy him, it's fine. He's cheap, so I can't hate on it too hard. But I think I got him in, like, the 25th round of a startup. You so. have to hope he goes somewhere else, because then they still have Justice Hill, who they took in the fourth round last year. People were very excited about him. Like, he doesn't have the build or the skill set to be a three-down back in any way, so don't expect that. But he can be used... Um, in certain situations, you know, in that passing down. So that could be something exciting for him. What do you take from this comment? Are you completely off of these running backs, or are you more on one than the other for just, let's just say 2020? Just for 2020, I'm sticking with Mark Ingram here. He's the clear veteran. He's, like, he didn't cripple overnight. Unless there's some (laughs) underlying injury that I don't know about, 
fantasy Twitter is acting as though he has passed and we are conducting his wake. Yeah, and what is he, 30? He might He's, be 31 now. He No, he turned 30 at the very end of last season, so he will still be okay. 30 to enter the season. And one thing to note, he's not like a normal 30-year-old where he has this big of a name. We forget how long it took Mark Ingram to become an actual Work fantasy horse. asset in the NFL because the Saints refused to use him as a workhorse for so long. And then finally when he got that role, Elvin Kamara came in and took so much of the workload too. So he really hasn't been used in that way like he was last year very often. So he might have a lot more tread on those legs than we're thinking. For 2020, I'm 100% taking Ingram if I'm going to take one of these guys. J.K. Especially Dobbins. for the draft capital because Mark Ingram's stock has taken such a big hit. Yeah. Oh, he's Mark going Ingram so late. Is a guy that I want to buy in dynasty leagues if I have a team that I think is a contender this year. Mm-hmm. He's a depth piece that I want because people are so willing to part for, part with him because you know he's yeah. basically dead now that he's thirty. But even in so we did a redraft little you know mock draft with some friends the other day. We were on a podcast and Mark Ingram was going so late, like so late. So this late. is redraft J.K. Dobbins. I'm not worried about for 2020. And the thing is, we have a lot of historical data to look at Greg Roman, who's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. He's not going to just give this job to Dobbins. He has had this type of situation before in the past with the San Fran 49ers. While Greg Roman was there as OC, there was twice they drafted. Twice they drafted a second round running back while Frank Gore was there, and twice Frank Gore continued to get all the work. Of course he did. Carlos Hyde didn't get work until Frank Gore was gone out of San Fran. And like when Carlos Hyde got drafted uh, with the San Fran 49ers, I know San Francisco hate people saying San Fran, sorry I'm saying it so much, but when Carlos Hyde was drafted there, Frank Gore was already 30. So it's not like he was this young dude that just kept the job because he was so young and healthy. Like he was 30, like he the, the same age, 30, 31. And then Greg Roman went to the Bills and he had the Sean McCoy that was around that age as well. He was aging. He, he doesn't mind old men. And that's what he's worked with like pretty much his whole career. I think Frank Gore is, or Frank, Frank Gore, Mark Ingram is someone he's comfortable with. Oh, yeah, and he was super efficient last season. So why would you, uh, why ruffle the feathers when what you had was working so mm-hmm. well? I think you definitely do need to plan for the future because I can't, can't see Mark Ingram there for 2021. But I absolutely think that they still intend to use Mark Ingram a, a pretty decent amount. Yep, I agree. That was long for a news topic, huh? That was almost like a, a segment there. But let's move on to the next news topic. The Philadelphia Inquirer, Jeff McLean, reports the Eagles have interest in free agent running backs LaShawn McCoy, who we were just talking about, and DeFonta Freeman. Super interesting. Not so much because I think it's going to affect Miles Sanders a whole ton, but it's definitely interesting to see that they've been sort of pursuing this veteran interest the whole offseason. I don't think it's that wild because let's say Miles Sanders goes down with an injury. You're stuck with Boston Scott. And yes, he he has his talents and he can be used in certain situations. We saw him. He looked decent. But there's no way Boston Scott can be used as a three-down back if they needed him. What about Corey Clement? (laughs) Yeah. They don't have, like, that running back group is kind of weak besides Miles Sanders. So if your main guy goes down, you can't, you can't 
give Miles Sanders 400 touches. You need another guy there that you can trust, hold on to that ball. What if you do have the lead and you don't want your main guy all banged up? Like, who's going to get it then? Well, Sean McCoy returning to Philadelphia, I'm sure that would be just like a a comfort move for LaShawn McCoy. Devonta Freeman's actually interesting. I can't believe we haven't seen more interest drummed up just in general. I think he wants to get paid. Like, I don't know what he's asking for, but he has had some offers, and he's declined them, and he said that he'll sit out the 2020 season if he doesn't get the contract he wants. I don't know what that contract looks like. You were really, really bad in 2019. So here's what I think he's going to do. I Similar to how I think Cam Newton is sitting out and waiting for that perfect opportunity where he... Uh, maybe has a greater market Mm -hmm. and you know the first big quarterback injury of the season comes and guess who's available cam newton but he wants he wants some money for that so i think devonta freeman could easily be doing the same thing because he's going to be a lot more valuable once running backs start going down and i agree like if you you have a team if you have a team that has a workhorse back and not much behind them maybe like at oakland raiders or something like that if josh jacobs were to get hurt then a team's going to be calling up devonta freeman being like okay we'll pay you now like we can't have our season go down the drain because we have to use jalen richard as our main back he's definitely going to get some illness because he doesn't like vaccines yeah, you can't you can't make him get you have that much contact. Get, you can't make him get the coronavirus vaccine. He does not believe in that, and no, he will not let his nieces get it either. He's oh goodness, very upset about that. And really, the last report we have because there's not too much in the NFL world right now. Carlos Hyde is uh, still recovering from surgery he had this off season. Uh, very quietly. Yeah, he had to repair a torn labrum that happened to him in the what was it the playoffs. I guess he should be ready by training camp, they're saying. It's surprising this is the back they decided to sign because the reason they're signing a back is because Penny has that serious knee injury. Uh, Chris Carson has the hip injury. They don't know if he'll be ready by week one. So then you take Carlos Hyde, who, you know, he's an older guy. This injury, could you could take a little bit longer to recover. It just seems like a weird signing to me. It is a weird signing, and I think, you know, part of the the – appeal in Carlos Hyde drafting him as a late round value is the fact that oh maybe he does get that week one week two role and I got him at you know the 13th round mm-hmm. now it, you don't know what that that value is going to be whatsoever so that backfield is looking scary for fantasy because you have Chris Carson you don't know how he's going to recover from the hip injury He's a great talent when he's on the field, but he's not used in the passing game a lot, so you have to depend on so many touchdowns. He's already a hard guy to trust on from week to week. And then whenever Penny comes back, who knows? That could be middle of the season. He could be started on the pup. And then you have Carlos Hyde that they just brought in as a vet. And then they drafted DJ Dallas, who I know a lot of people are excited about. He was in the fourth round. He's just like he could get a small role. There's yeah. there's a lot going on there. It's very busy. Um, and then, you know, the fact that They've got Tyler Lockett. They've got DK Metcalf. They just added Greg Olson. They've got all these little pieces flying around, and I'm getting a little nervous about Seattle. They're making me uncomfortable all around. Why? I I don't I I just don't trust that they're not going to spread the ball around too much to dilute it for fantasy. I worry about that. Don't ruin DK Metcalf. Please, Pete Carroll. But don't like part ruin of DK Metcalf. Part of what made DK Metcalf so valuable was the fact that he had the upside when he was getting all those end zone targets, red zone targets. 
if you don't think they're going to use Greg Olson in that way, you're out of your mind. Probably. Probably. We're probably going to be disappointed by this entire offense all together. Because like you said, it's going to be spread out and it's going to hurt to have to play anyone. Especially if Josh Gordon comes back, there's... There's news that he could be reinstated, and I think he's still a Seattle Seahawk. So if he comes back, I don't really know how that works. But if he's part of that offense, too, that's really bad news for DK especially. All right, well, we have a fun show. We're going to be doing some ADP debates today. But before we do that, I want to talk about Father's Day. Let's do it. It's coming up. Uh, Don't forget your fathers. We just had a, a lovely Mother's Day celebration But Father's Day is in June, and you should get ahead of the game because I know y'all slack for Mother's Day. You don't want to disappoint your dad. So you know what you can do. You go to myfrontpagestory.com. You get interviewed as if you're, like, the star of the newspaper. But here's what you're going to do. You're going to give them a hilarious story about your dad. A hilarious story. Give them your funniest moment because yeah, your dad to laugh. Yeah, with Mother's Day, we were talking about a sentimental story, right? Like to make her cry. You know, your dad wants a funny story. So tell about the time you went to a you know a football game or you went to an event and just something. Maybe it went terribly. Maybe you're like so excited and the day of it was just like all fun and games. You're messing around and then the team lost by like 30 points or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, of course, always do a sentimental one as well. Some dads like that. Yeah, I know but, my father's just a jokester, so he would love a funny one. Yeah, if you've got a great whoopee cushion story, if like really, whoopee cushion, how are we five? I you were five once. Actually, my dad does act like he's five. So yeah, so yeah. I think it's appropriate. Everybody, you get twenty percent off of your Father's Day purchase on my front page story with the promo code Blast Twenty. You get twenty percent off. And your dad is excited for his awesome gift. We're in a new generation now, you know. So our our age, we're not we're not used to holding the newspaper. We get all of our digital news. But your dads, they want to read the newspaper. They yeah. don't want to. It's sentimental consume. to them. Yeah. And if you write a, like a story in there about you you guys or just a funny story, he's gonna love that. He's gonna hang it up. It's something to have. If you're thinking about buying a tie or a wallet or something, stop. Put that back. Put it, it down. Back, put it down and uh, head on over to myfrontpagestory.com. And don't forget your 20% off code BLAST20. I'm telling you to back down. And I'm telling you that I will never back down. Then I'll make you. Oh, really? How are you going to do that? Through the use of force. That is very general and does not scare me in the slightest. All right, we're going to kick this off with some guys that are very similar in ADP. Because that's really, like, when it comes down to it in your fantasy drafts, that's where and what's you, ADP? Explain Average that. draft position. So all of these lovely fantasy football websites that you can do mock drafts on track that data. And then they're able to give you that information as to where people are drafting who and give you an average draft position. Yep. So, um, you know, usually... Saquon Barkley might be 102 because you know who's drafted a 101. It's got to be Christian McCaffrey. There are no exceptions. None. None. So when we're trying to figure out sort of a draft strategy or you're trying to plan in your mind what who you're going to take where, you got to look at ADP. So we picked players that are going to be drafted around the same spot, probably in your leagues. These are the decisions you're going to have to make when you're on the clock. Yep. So our first debate up 
is between two running backs that will be going pretty early. You know, maybe end of the first round, second round. Nick Chubb, he's going off the board as a running back nine, or Josh Jacobs actually going one spot ahead of him at the running back eight. Which running back would you prefer if you were on the clock and they were both sitting there? We're talking redraft, right? Redraft. This is all redraft 2020. I mean, it can still go along with your dynasty leagues. Like, who do you want in your 2020 half PPR? Go. I will easily take Josh Jacobs here. Mm. I, like, there is not a question in my mind here. It's the easiest thing in the world. I think Nick Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. But the issue is we saw how involved Kareem Hunt got into that offense right off the bat. This is not a knock on Nick Chubb but rather a frustration that Kareem Hunt is there and he's so good. So I, I don't want to see the decrease in touches that I assume Nick Chubb will have moving forward. I want the workhorse guy with the first-round draft capital. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, he was an absolute beast. Played seven games last season with a broken shoulder. That's pretty well. That is insane. Absolutely insane. He led the league and avoided tackles and rushing attempts. And guess what? He didn't play three games. So when I'm comparing the two backs, I definitely think that that Nick Chubb has better pure talent on the ground, legs made like tree trunks, he can break away from anybody, but I trust the workload that Josh Jacobs is going to get. I trust that he's a tough dude. I trust that there are plenty of lines of opportunity there because DeAndre Washington, he's off to Kansas City now. He's gone. I know it doesn't sound like much, but DeAndre Washington had 144 touches last year. Yeah, but then they drafted a guy to replace him, and Lynn Bowden Jr. That's absolutely fine, but I picture him as the gadget guy. So, like, he might be able to play that sort of rushing role, but I think he'll be used as a receiver as well. The biggest knock on Jacobs is the fact that he's not used as a receiver much, and, you know, you can sort of point to that, uh, (laughs) that video if you guys have ever seen it of Josh Jacobs literally jumping up and down, begging Derek Carr to throw him the ball. It, it's not a good look. But I look at the fact that, you know, Josh Jacobs is competing with Nick Chubb here. Like, what, what PPR upside does Nick Chubb give you? He doesn't give you upside there, and we'll, we'll get through that in a second. But I do picture these guys in the same way, where they're going to be used mostly on the ground. They're going to get receiving work taken away by other players, Hunt. And then I do think Lynn Bowden Jr. will be more involved than you think in the passing game, where I don't know how much room there is for Jacobs to move up. So if I'm looking at a guy that's you're going to get most of your production on the ground, you need those touchdowns. Because if you're not getting the points with receptions and more yards there, you need to get the touchdowns. What offense do you trust that will score more to give them more scoring opportunity? Is it Nick Chubb with the Browns? Or is it like Josh Jacobs with the Oakland Raiders with, what, 5 million rookie wide receivers and Derek Carr? I know Baker Mayfield didn't have a good year either, but... It's not even about Baker for me, though. It's it's about the fact that they they don't just have Nick Chubb, the goal line back. They have Kareem Hunt. Who is who, not going to steal any of that work. He's not going to. He will through the passing game. He will get end zone targets. Maybe. He will be utilized out of the backfield. I just think we're underestimating Hunt's role, and we're, we're underestimating the, the workhorse role that Josh Jacobs is going to have. Before his injury... He was on pace for 1,700 scrimmage yards. Okay, but that's, I mean. I, 
It was a seven game. Very small sample size. Seven game sample size. Okay. Uh, but, and I'm not saying he would have kept that up, but he was the RB7. Like, in PPR leagues. Josh Jacobs looked fantastic. I'm not trying to put him down, but if I'm going to compare him to Nick Chubb, I think he's one of the most top three running back in this league right now, like, talent-wise. Nick Chubb is fantastic, and I do think we're over, you said underestimating how much Hunt will take away from Chubb. I actually think we're overestimating it. So they, it was half a season, right? Nick Chubb got to play half the season, eight games. Small sample size. Without Hunt. For Michelle. Without Hunt. And then he got to play half the games, eight games, with Hunt. And yes, his fantasy points went way down, but I just think it had to do with other things as well. Without Hunt, he was on pace for 306 rushing attempts. With Hunt, 288. That's not that big of a difference. It's not that big of a difference. That's 18 carries throughout 16. That's one less carry a game. Which is fine. But, like, you're taking away that receiving upside. It's the receiving upside. But I think the biggest point here where he really struggled with Hunt, it was rushing touchdowns. So the first eight games, he was on pace for 12 rushing touchdowns for the season. Last eight games, he was on pace for four rushing touchdowns. That's it. And it had nothing to do with Hunt. He had 12 opportunities. 12 carries inside the five-yard line. And that's just from weeks 10 through 17 when Hunt was there. That's the third most in the league, only behind Joe Mixon and CMC, tied with Zeke. He was getting the opportunities. He just only got in once. He got in once, Kate, on 12 carries inside the five. When you look at the other people, they got in at least five times. Zeke got in six, CMC five, Joe Mixon five. You, You have guys with only nine carries that got in five, five, like only getting in once off of 12 carries is insane. If he gets in, his points don't look that different, and I don't think we're freaking out as much. Obviously, that upside that we saw without Hunt where he was like a top three running back in fantasy, I don't think that's there anymore. Because they, his... they would utilize him in the screen game, and yeah. that, that all counts even though but it's behind the line of scrimmage. We have and... to also remember it's two different coaching staffs, right? We had Freddie Kitchens there, and now we have Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski is going to run this ball nonstop. So there's even more work to go around than there was last year. I think he can use both of them. And like, like you have a good point there where he's not going to be using the receiving game as much because Hunt is the much better running back in that situation. And he's going to, you know, he's not going to be on the field all the time like we're used to seeing. I just, right now, I'm going to say Nick Chubb's a better running back than Josh Jacobs in similar type of situations. So I'm going to go with Chubb. All right. Well, I just trust him more. What we're going to do here, as we debate these these fierce fights, we are going to be posting the uh, threads on Twitter. We're going to be having you guys vote on who you think won the argument, and then whoever loses the most polls has to drink. Yep. Do what? Shot. A shotgun? Are we, are we sad if we have to drink? Like, oh, oh shucks. <laughs> I get another beer. Everybody go vote for Michelle. <laughs> the clear winner. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, yeah, we'll be putting this up here. I'm Michelle, and I'm on the Nick Chubb side. Kate's on the Josh Jacobs side. Would you say they're that far apart, though? No, but I, I definitely, uh, it, it's come down to trust for me. It doesn't okay. come down to talent, because um, I do think Nick Chubb is the superior running back, and it's just opportunity. I do think that... Jacobs is going to be run into the ground this year. All right, let's do another one. A little bit later in the draft, you're going to have to make this decision. You have Raheem Mostert for San Fran. 
he could be getting that lead job this year. He did really well in the could playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Matt Parade is gro- gone. Brenda is gone. Brenda. He's going as the running back 26 in drafts. And then you have David Montgomery going as a running back 25 in drafts. Does David Montgomery get better his second season? Because he kind of struggled the first. So who are you going with here? They're both on the draft board. You have to make your selection. Who are you taking? I am taking Raheem Mostert here, although I do believe David Montgomery will finish certainly higher than the RB25. Okay. But my my preference is towards Raheem Mostert because I feel like the ceiling is literally off the charts between but the But his offense. floor is so much lower, right? His floor is so much lower because I don't think you you can necessarily bank that he's going to be the guy. But He could be nothing. He could be nothing. But we've seen inefficiency with Tevin Coleman. You know, they got literally the same number of carries, and Raheem was so... Raheem. We're like old friends. Yeah. Um, Raheem Mostert was so much more efficient. Like, to the nth degree... Raheem Moster, like despite the fact that he wasn't used in a, a traditional workhorse work role, he ranked six in fantasy points per touch, managed one more red zone touchdown than Tevin Coleman. He had 14 fewer red zone carries. Fewer. Well, that's not good. No, that isn't. No, that's good for Raheem Moster. Because he had one more touchdown? He had one more okay. touchdown. He was much more efficient. But you want to see those carries. I, I want to see the carries. Yeah. But, uh, you know, San Francisco, they they just didn't have much room in the in the draft, so you didn't see them take a running back. Um, I just think when you combine the speed, when you combine the fact that this is a run first offense, when you combine it with the fact that this is just an explosive player, you what, see what was weird last year. Time. What was weird last year is that when. Breda was put in the game, he looked good. When Moster was in the game, he looked good. When Jeffrey Wilson Jr. was in the game, he looked good. Like, you could just get these chunk plays, and then Tevin Coleman comes in the game, and it's like, well, Ew. he got a yard. Like, why? why? Why, when everyone else is getting these massive chunk plays, Tevin Coleman couldn't do that? He, I mean, he definitely had his good games, but there were so many times. Games. He had so many times where he was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, why are you so he, bad? He definitely looked the least explosive, and I think the metrics you know, support that with Tevin Coleman. If they feel comfortable with Raheem Mostert, which I know they like to rotate guys through, if they feel comfortable with Mostert as a a lead back and he's getting 15 to 20 touches per game, he's an instant RB2 with RB1 upside. Yeah, and I can't even say he's not, okay? But at the same time, Mostert's been moving up draft boards. I'm actually surprised with how high he's going. If he was a guy that was going ninth round or later and you're just taking a flyer on him someone that could break out and be great fine but he's going in the fifth round sixth round I don't really want to throw that pick in the garbage and it could be great it could be absolutely worth nothing you could start him week one and you could get two you could carries. say that for any draft pick not really because you know David Montgomery is going to get the volume but right? you don't know if he's not going to suck no, and you don't know that, but no, you know at least he's going to get volume or you can plug him into a lineup. Maybe he's not great, but there you don't even know if you could plug Moster into your lineup in week two. He could already show you week one that he's not going to get touches, and you don't you don't know when you so can trust him. So who's getting touches? Who's getting touches? Jeffrey Wilson? This is what happened last year. We thought Tevin Coleman was getting all of them, and he, then he did, and then he didn't, and then Breda did, injured. and then he didn't. Yeah. It's all over the place with Shanahan. He doesn't care. They they signed an undrafted free agent. What if he gets it? 
Kyle Shanahan is unpredictable. He but does not care about your fantasy. He team. does not. But we've also seen him utilize a work work. Oh, I'm not trying say, to say that word though. I can't like okay. just use any other the word. The W H. Should we just call it the WH? There are like there's Kyle other Shanahan words. Shanahan has used the WH before with the Atlanta Falcons. He is not afraid to give a running back a lead role. We've already seen this. So like why not Raheem Mostert? He absolutely carries favor with the coaching staff. They love him. Love him. And Raheem Mostert asked, what could I do to be more like Frank Gore? Devonta Freeman should go to San no. Fran. And it could be back with Shanahan, right? And he could have Coleman and Freeman again. <laughs> that would be interesting. worst nightmare. It's only yours. I think you're only super high in Mostert. I, I really see the talent there. I'm just worried about if he's ever going to get trusted. He's 28. And he's never had that role in the NFL. I just don't know if that happens all of a sudden in his, what, seventh season in the NFL. That would be really weird, but it could happen. I'm going to go with David Montgomery here. It's not a player I'm looking to go draft, but I don't mind taking the shot on him just because you know he's going to get the volume. So he was, he had the 13th most carries in the NFL last year. Didn't do a whole lot with him. He wasn't very efficient. That's for sure. He struggled. But guess what? The, the offseason happened. They didn't sign another running back for any competition. The draft happened. They didn't draft a running back for any competition. He's going to get all the carries. Drake Cohen, they barely gave him any the ball last year, at least carries-wise. He got a ton of targets. I, I do think his targets could go up because Tariq Cohen was so incredibly inefficient with his receptions. I'm not saying Montgomery can be any better, but maybe let's try it out. He, you, you know, He can be used in that way. He was actually really good last year in forcing missed tackles, which was one of his best assets coming into the NFL. In college, he he was the top of his class at forcing missed tackles, and he actually was really good at that last year in the NFL. He was towards the top in the league, but then he just struggled elsewhere. Maybe it's his vision. I don't really know what's going on there, because if you can force missed tackles, why are you getting tackled? You know, like, why aren't you getting yards? I I don't know exactly what was going on there. But at the same time, that no no defense respected that passing game with Mitch Trubisky. And I think just if you if you watched the offense last year, any Bears game that really anybody watched it like the play calling did not make sense. It it didn't seem cohesive. It did not seem coherent. Matt Nagy was trying to do some weird stuff yeah. last year. The first, year. like, two weeks, every time David Montgomery touched the ball, he would take him out of the game and then put him back. It's like no running back can get hot that way. And I think maybe that's what was happening all year long, like kept taking him out for Tariq Cohen, which is fine, but if Cohen's not going to be productive either, maybe let Montgomery start to get hot. And maybe it just wasn't happening. Like, Oh, I, don't forget Mike Davis. Yeah, just watching that offense last year was... Really, it was hard. But let's say Nick Foles comes in, and he should be the starter. And he makes – I don't think he's going to be this world beater, world changer for this offense. But maybe he makes defenses respect them a little bit more. Maybe it gives the, the offense a little bit more room to work, especially with the run game. I, I would take a shot on that over Mostert, especially because when you're looking at Montgomery, I talked about the carries inside the five-yard line last year with Nick Chubb. Montgomery had 18 carries inside the five-yard line. Only had five touchdowns on those. That's like really bad percentage of uh, actually converting those into points. So I do think positive regression is coming in that area as well. I do think, um, you know, if Foles enters the season or takes over at some point in the season with the quarterback role, I do think that that provides Montgomery even more 
more upside. We saw that he was very excited to have uh, the prospect of Leonard Fournette there because uh, he wanted to utilize him as a pass catcher, and I think he could do the same thing with Montgomery. Okay. Now, if these guys were sitting on the board, would you actually take them, or are you looking to take anyone else? You really like Moster. I do really like Moster, and I'm I'm sort of alone in that camp. I think that the upside for you know drafting a guy at, at the RB twenty, sorry, what was that? Twenty five. RB twenty five. Like he could be uh, a week winner, and I feel like it's very hard to find week winners the further you get into the draft. He's one of the last like decent running backs that you. I think want to have yeah that could have the potential of a workhorse role. I will say James Conner is going at running back twenty three. I would a hundred times rather have him than either Montgomery or Mostert. Looking behind him, then you're with guys like Darius Geis. Can he stay healthy? If you knew he could, I would want him over Mostert and Montgomery. But that's such a risk there. And then you have Kareem Hunt. You have a bunch of guys that are going to be in running back by committees: Kareem Hunt, Marlon Mack, Sony Michelle. He's just so bad. Damian Williams, Carrion Johnson, it, it, it gets thin. So I think you're right there. Like, Mostert's that last type of guy that you know is very productive if he's given the shot. Yeah, I I agree. Okay. I, I think that we're definitely on the same page, though, in terms of uh, the guys that you would have ahead of him. I do trust James Conner a little bit more. I trust his health far over Darius Geis. I, I, I trust the offense a little bit more. Um, but... I think Raheem Mostert is one of those last running backs that you'd want to take in that spot before you start getting, like, some real gross stuff. Yeah, I agree. It gets real bad after that. All right, let's do one more debate because these are fun, and I like talking through this with you. Through this with you. I'm a caveman. Ryan Tannehill, he's going as a quarterback 19, which is late. I feel like that's late. I bet you that moves up. Ryan Tannehill last year was uber efficient. Uber. Uber efficient. Uber. Versus Jared Goff, quarterback 17. He had a down year last year, so I think people were down on him going into this season. What are your thoughts? Who are you drafting here? If you're going late-round quarterback, you're waiting on that quarterback, which we often do. We will be in this position where we have to pick a type of player like this. Ryan Tannehill or Jared Goff? This has been actually a hard one for me. So I saw this in the show doc. I wasn't sure what to do with it. I had to postulate on that for okay. a moment um, because Jared Goff's a guy that we've seen his upside. We've seen what he can do within an offense that's actually playing efficiently. But I have to put a little bit more trust in Ryan Tannehill, and that's a very, very weird thing to say. <laughs> like, I, I I, did not see his production last, last year coming. Um, but what I will say about the, the Titans offense is that you don't really have many moving pieces. So when I'm looking at his efficiency, and he was, he was uber efficient. He had, uh, you know, a low, low touchdown interception ratio, 22 touchdowns to six interceptions. Uh, average depth of target, it was third most in the league. So he was really hitting those guys downfield. That touchdown percentage has to be one of the highest in the league, too. What was it? Uh, it was 7%. So okay. it, that that's a number that we would expect to come down yeah. probably to like five and a half, six. Five, yeah. <laughs> like the, and especially like for a Tannehill type, like I wouldn't be surprised if that comes all the way down to 4%. So here's what I'm banking on. I am banking on the fact that Ryan Tannehill has the same assets as pass catchers. He's got the same workhorse 
running back. Let's find a new word for Kate. W-H. Uh, you know, he's just got that that tool that I think makes him so efficient. He actually ran the ball for not playing a full season. Uh, he started 10 games, had 43 rushing attempts for 185 yards, four rushing touchdowns. Like, that was the most quiet thing ever. You span that over a full 16 games, you actually have a nice, nice rushing floor there. And you have the upside of a guy with explosive ability after the catch and A.J. Brown. There are just so many things that make this offense run. What happens when defenses just guard A.J. Brown? Because they're like, oh, we don't even need to guard Corey Davis. <laughs> no, we don't even need to put someone on him. Yeah, they're He's like, so who's boys. Corey Davis? Yeah, so what happens then? And then you have a running back that's not a threat in the passing game. He is a threat in the passing okay. game. I know you love Derrick Henry, but let's just say he's not really that big of a threat in the passing game. Johnny Smith, we like coming up here with the tight end. We think he could have a breakout year. But then you have A.J. Brown, Janu Smith, not a whole lot else. Like, we saw Tannehill disappear often. Not, okay, we shouldn't say disappear because he was actually really good for fantasy because he was so efficient, but he'd have, like, 12 passing attempts. And it just it ended up working out for you. I don't think most of the time if you have less than 20 passing attempts, it's going to be a good fantasy day. And then they really stopped using him in the playoffs. Yeah, I... I... I totally understand the concern. Um, you know, the way that I'm looking at this is that we've seen tremendous upside for him. Um, I, I was very impressed with with what he was able to do in that short time within that offense. Um, you know, he was he was an elite prospect last year, which again, so weird to say, first year in an offense taking over, and he managed the second most fantasy points per dropback. And I know it was because of efficiency, but Again, when I'm thinking about efficiency, like what made him so efficient, I think it's the structure of the offense and the run-first attack and the fact that you have Derek Hunter Henry. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you have Derek Henry there as your largest threat, that opens up things in the passing game, and that will lead to efficiency. I do agree with you there, where if you're going to be running the ball all the time, defenses are going to be more worried about Derrick Henry than Ryan Tannehill, which gives Tannehill a lot of space to work. It gives A.J. Brown a lot of space to work after the catch. I I do think this is a good offense for him. I'm just worried about if that efficiency just goes down. I don't even know how much it would have to, but I don't know how consistent he will be as a fantasy quarterback with the amount of attempts he has. Now, maybe those go up. Because Derrick Henry had so much work, maybe they bring that down a little bit. But that was just a recipe for success for them last year. I don't know if they want to change that. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely a question mark. But I, I believe in his upside um, moving forward. And I, Jared Goff, I just have questions about their offense. I don't know what it's going to look like this year. I'm, I'm higher on Jared Goff than most. Now, I'm not pumped about Tannehill or Goff being my quarterback all year long, but the best part about redraft is you get to, you know, you get to use the waiver wire. You get to stream. So if either of these guys don't work out, you can try someone else. And But I do think Jared Goff could be that type of player that you could, that will have more consistency than a Ryan Tannehill type. And he's going just around that same range in drafts. So in 2018, Jared Goff was a pretty decent fantasy quarterback. He was a quarterback seven. And then in 2019, not so much. He was kind of all over the place, had his ups and downs. He went through, like, one of the worst stretches. He had a bye, so, I mean, that gets you zero points. And then Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore. I mean, those are three really hard defenses, and he, I mean, he really struggled. There was, you could not use him in fantasy. It was so bad. 
But then after that, it really picked up. And I, I think a lot of people noticed that the offensive system changed. They started to use a lot more 12 personnel, which is two tight end. And they, you know, they started doing that. And I think that was really good for Jared Goff. Higby breaking out was huge for Jared Goff in completion percentage, for yardage. Like it, you know, finding that next weapon to he could trust. It was not Everett. Everett and him were not on the same page. Higby and him were very much so. So if he gets him again, if they're using this type of system that really worked out for Goff at the end of the year, I, I believe that he can get better. His end of year stats were really great, actually. He really started to come together. Uh, he was on pace for. From weeks 13 to 17, not a big sample size. I just made fun of you for that, but it was... For somebody who made fun of my sample size, you've said the word sample size. It was five weeks, but this is under the new, you know, the new format that McVeigh went to with the 12 personnel. He was quarterback six. Like, he got much better at the end of the year. They just changed some things around. Now he does lose Brandon Cooks and enters in a rookie. I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's not like Brandon Cooks was very much there at all anyways. And the one big thing I want to note, I'm apparently all about touchdowns in this show, which normally I'm not. But if you're going to look at touchdowns percentage-wise, we were just talking about Ryan Tannehill, right? He was at 7%. Well, Goff, throughout the throughout his years with McVay, his first year with McVay, he was at 5.9%. So every 5.9% of his passing attempts, he scored a touchdown. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the next season, 57 and then the next season, which was last year, 3.5. He went all the way down. That, yeah, so he's due for positive regression there. Definitely due to get back up there at his career average, whether that be 5, 5.5. But his touchdowns should go way up. They're, he only threw 22 touchdowns last year. The year before that, 32. Like He should get back around that 30 range for sure. And, and I think that will just make him a better, obviously, fantasy quarterback altogether. And just someone that you can trust on a, a week-to-week basis. Absolutely. I, like... I think both of these guys have potential as late-round values, and they're guys that I'm not super pumped to have them because the trust factor definitely isn't there. But when you are drafting a late-round quarterback, you're you're hoping for some upside, and I think both of these guys have QB1 upside. I agree. All right. Well, we're going to post these on Twitter so you guys can vote. Yeah, go vote. And it's not about who wins, right? We, we don't, we're not going to know that for a year. I want to know who you thought won the debates. Yes. Because I want to win every debate. I don't want to lose. I want to lose so I can get the free beer. <laughs> exactly. No, don't let her take my beers. Like, yeah. we, we have to split them. You sure. can't have another one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. This was the Ball Blast Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can find me at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. E-M. Go find our work at www.ballblastfootball.com. And I'm 90 for putting www. You don't have to type the Ws. probably don't even know what that is. Yeah, you don't have to type the Ws. You know my dad's going in there like www.ballblastfootball.com. Shout out to Pat and everybody. Don't forget about your Father's Day. Speaking of fathers, don't forget your Father's Day gift. Go to myfrontpagestory.com. Promo code BLAST20. Bye. Bye.